Critical care, or intensive care nursing, is a specialisation of nursing which deals specifically with patients experiencing high dependency, life-threatening conditions. There are a range of ICU specialties where critical care nurses may work, including surgical, trauma, coronary, medical, paediatric, burns, cardiothoracic and high-risk special care nurseries. The duties of a critical care nurse may include assisting medical staff during procedures, checking patients' vital signs, taking bloods, managing ventilation, administering medication and providing patients with personal care such as bathing and dressing. But it goes beyond that and extends into humanity and healthcare to providing support and education to both the patient and the patient's family. Joining us today is Gemma, a trained paediatric intensive care nurse, to chat to us about her job within the healthcare system. Gem is just one of the many countless critical care staff we may come into contact with within our realm of diagnostic and therapeutic medical imaging. What are you scared of most? Hmm. Uh. My door will open by itself. I'm scared of a lot of stuff that I'm scared. Tests. Fire. Tight spaces. When my godbrother um, scares me. Being by myself alone. In the dark. The dark. I'm scared of the dark too. Things that are in the hook. Why? What are you afraid might be in there? Frogs. Alligators. Turks. Elephants. Dogs. Anacondas. Poisonous venomous snakes. <laughs> Bugs. A bee. Spiders. Spiders. Any spider. Big ones or little ones? Probably really, really big. Black widows. Crantulas. I hate them all. Do you know what the name for that is? Arachnophobia. Scared of the lions. My goodness. Bears. And dog farts. <laughs> Do you remember what you were scared of as a child? For me, I used to jump a meter away from my bed when climbing in so that monsters couldn't grab my feet from underneath. Kids can be scared of a variety of things, whether rational or irrational to us as adults. Imagine, though, how they feel in the unfamiliar environment of a hospital. Thanks for joining us today, Jem. You're a paediatric intensive care unit nurse who comes into contact with kids all the time. Can you tell us exactly what your role is and how you got to where you are now? Hi, Tom. Yes, I am a, a specialised in intensive care. Um, spent the last nine years in the paediatric intensive care unit at um, Westmead Children's Hospital. So it's a, one, of, one of the three children's hospitals in New South Wales. Um, and I guess I started out nursing, ward nurse for about a year, and then kind of just wanted that challenge that comes with being an intensive care nurse that you don't get on the ward. Um, also, I'm a perfectionist, so I love to have one patient only and know absolutely everything about that patient. The background, like the family history, I like to have that extended period of time where you just, you know, absolutely everything about that patient in comparison to the ward where you get five and you're rushed around and etc. So I guess that's why I 
have chosen PQ as my subspecialty and love it. Oh, that's so good. I um, I think it's really nice actually that you touch on the soft skills or interpersonal skills of like developing mm. patient rapport and understanding yeah. their clinical history and their full story. Like we never know yeah. anybody's story. So that's, that's really yeah. nice. But what kind of patients would we expect to see in a pediatric ICU or PICU as you refer to? And can you run me through maybe a day in the life or a shift in the life of, you, of Gemma? Yep. So it's funny because it's, I've noticed a difference. I've just started at John Hunter and I've noticed the difference between Westmead. At Westmead, we did majority of cardiac patients with congenital heart problems, so um, post-surgery. And then it was a mix of burns and traumas and oncology. But compared to Sydney, I feel like there's so much more trauma in Newcastle. I don't know if it's just country kids are a lot crazier. I think <laughs> it's the, the, the region, the area yeah. you cover, that demographic yeah. is wider, whereas I suppose in Sydney it's a bit more interspersed between different hospitals. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so much trauma from everywhere. Um, and I guess a, a normal shift would be coming on to the shift, getting handover, um, and also, like, because you're, you're usually one-on-one, one or two, you get a really good detailed handover of the patient. Um, then you check your emergency equipment in your room. Um, in ICU, you're always thinking, what are you going to do if things go wrong? And when you're in that high-stressful environment, it's so, so important for you to know your game plan when something does go wrong say the tube comes out of like the mouth or a, a line comes out um you got to know your next step in case that patient is paralyzed and that tube is the only thing keeping them breathing or that line has some inotropic medication to help their heart keep pumping and that comes out and yeah so emergency equipment is very very important um when you're starting your shift then after that, I guess it's a collaboration um, between the intensivists, the registrars and the bedside nurses of what's the plan of the day, um, whether that be going to scan, um, reviewing the x-rays usually happens at that time too, and if the patient hasn't got an x-ray, um, also discussing whether they need one for the day. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, just kind of, interacting with all the different teams that come on obviously day shifts are a lot more hectic than night shifts um you've got more teams coming in the day night shifts it's all about keeping that quiet environment um and that day night cycle like making sure um although it's still an intensive care stuff does happen at night but making sure um yeah these patients do still get that quiet time which is um a bit different to an adult ICU now obviously during this quiet time I've actually just, I'm yeah. just gonna throw a couple of curveballs your way there go for, it. go for it um but so you've said we go through handover in the morning now yep. obviously this is a really methodical sort of process that you go through mm-hmm. one-on-one or like you said one-on-two with yep. the nurses that have been assigned to yep. that same patient so yep. how long roughly would handover take so handover usually takes about 
30 minutes. Um, if you've got two HGU patients, you usually do 15 minutes on each patient. Um, now, HGU is high dependency unit. Yeah, so yeah. I had yeah, so um, HCU patient is a patient that's not ventilated um, and might be on another kind of respiratory support, such as CPAP, which stands for um, continuous um, continuous positive airway pressure, yeah. which is the mask that goes over their face. Um, but that machine actually can be. Um, left alone whereas if you've got a ventilated patient you need that one-on-one nursing so you can't have two patients with that okay so when you have a ventilated patient we know that the tube actually goes down the airway as opposed to your CPAP where it's that mask over um, their nose and mouth yeah yeah Yeah. so if you think about disconnection um obviously it's it's very important if they are ventilated to be extra careful with them tubes around their faces. Sometimes the taping is not very, not very secure. Obviously, we try and secure that taping around um, the invasive tube to be like so good you can't pull it out. But accidents do happen, and there has been um, some dislodgement that I've witnessed in the past. Um, is- whereas. Oh, yeah, sorry, which is really important for us as, te- as techs that come exactly. in and put boards behind patients. Exactly, exactly. And also, like, if we do say, look, this tube is mobile, I need another person, um, also just work with us. I know you guys are on some time restraints and, and like, we really do appreciate so much the fact that you can come up and x-ray our patients like that's it's it's incredible actually the amount of time and effort it takes to get the transport um, ventilator up and running so we can safely transport our patients down to you just takes so long so when we call you guys and say hey like we need an X-ray, or we need an, we need another sort of scan. Yeah, we we are so so happy that you can come up into our space, and we do know that that's very terrifying at times. Um, I know I feel terrified when I come into your space. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, like radiation, <laughs> radiation. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm going to go back here as well. Now, yeah, we can all yeah, picture yeah. an intensive care unit. And for those students yeah. that haven't had any sort of exposure, I'm sure they can picture Grey's Anatomy or Scrubs or something, yeah, which yeah. doesn't quite articulate what very the environment similar, but is. Yeah. But we get an idea of ventilation tubes, like you mentioned, arterial lines, yeah. you know, nasogastric yeah. tubes, chest strains. Yeah. And yeah. there can be all these lines, you name it you'll find it in ICU. And I was just going to say to you then, I actually feel really guilty when patients from ICU come to CT because I can only imagine what happens in the background, the the pack up before they then come down to us. And I feel so guilty for the short scan time sometimes. It must seem such a mammoth task to come down to us. It's huge. It's huge. And also like when you've got them, um, the longer imaging, um, you've really got to, like pre-prepare two hours in advance and work out if you've got enough medication in your infusions 
because um, you don't want any infusions running out when you're off the ward or they're taking all your equipment and your emergency equipment with you. So if there's a dislodgement down it scan, you can you have enough equipment on you to put the tube back in and then emergency drugs as well. If you've got a um, critical patient, like making sure you've got all of them, the right dosing, um, how many you're going to need for if this patient does arrest. Um, so, yeah, a lot of planning goes into a simple little scan. I know, I know <laughs> it sounds so simple for us, but I can only imagine. But how did you feel being exposed to such that high dependency, emotive environment as a, as a new sort of person coming from the ward into high dependency situations? Yeah, I was... Was it overwhelming? <laughs> petrified. I remember my first day in intensive care, I walked in and I'm like, I am not smart enough to be here. Like, <laughs> I, I'm a fraud. How, how, like, I should just go back to the ward and my little patients sort of crawling around and I can hold them. And it was quite, it was, yeah, because I'd never seen anything like that. And it really, yeah, it, yeah, it scared me a lot to be honest um but like anywhere the more exposure you get to a place like the more comfortable you feel and um yeah like you said you love it you've been there for nine years I so do. you're not I going anywhere <laughs> yeah um, not anywhere soon. and I suppose another thing and you'd be able to probably compare it from ward nursing to intensive care nursing but and as any yeah. sort of healthcare professional knows like we said those soft skills are really important being able to talk to different patient demographics um, but also being able to talk and communicate with children and then their families too so I just wanted to push you a little bit about how and why is communication in all of its forms be that body language like verbal non-verbal so important within the intensive care unit particularly within pediatrics yeah Um, so pediatric nursing um, it's you think about how scared you walk in and you, if you see like a baby intubated um, and you kind of see that all the time. Imagine being a parent that hasn't really ever seen their kid sick ever and then all of a sudden their child is not moving, it's got tubes coming out of everywhere. So there's a very... Pediatric nursing is very much about family-centered care, and we say this a lot in peds. You're not actually look. You're not only looking after that baby in the bed. You're looking after the parents. Um, You're making sure that if they're sitting there and they're used, like they're used to being parents, they're used to doing everything for this child. Like this child is dependent on them, and for the first time in their life, they've got to take a step back. And they kind of feel a bit hopeless, which is why family-centered care is really important. Um, in and we do a lot. We try and involve them in as much as possible. Um, so we, because our patients are usually not moving and their eyes are shut for a long period of time, we do fourth hourly cares. They yeah. put eye drops in their eyes and move their limbs around and kind of tilt them so they don't get any pressure areas. And this is a really um, a really easy task that we tend to get parents to help us with. Um, and, it, and it just gives them a feeling of, of empowerment too. Yeah. And it's also a question before we 
we like we don't expect them to help but we always try and give them the opportunity yeah. and that's just being being really like aware of their emotional state and their limitations of what they want to do and what they can't do and what they want to see like sometimes we're suctioning like we're taking the um, ventilator off the breathing tube and we're putting this really large suction catheter down and sucking out all the sputum and sometimes that's really hard to see even though us as nurses do it usually every one to two hours in ventilated patients but if they don't want to see that like it, yeah, it, it might make them a little bit more upset to witness some of them clinical things that we're doing to the child that they're not used to seeing. So, and I suppose you do automatically, but you've really got to be mindful yeah, of your, really, who your audience whilst yeah. engaging them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So being mindful, trying to involve them as much as possible, but not expecting too much from, from them. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, just, yeah. Just involving them as much as much as we can. Yeah, definitely. And I also want to touch on here where we've said communication with their families is really important. One thing yeah. I wanted to reiterate for students is that it, as us that are coming into this environment, we're outsiders that come in and perhaps we might do some yeah. imaging here or there, whether that be nuclear medicine, radiation therapy or radiography. Um, but I'm always very conscious as a rad, even if my patient is ventilated, of introducing mm. myself to the patient and letting them know I'm going to pop a hardboard behind your back or we're going to transfer yeah. you onto our scanner. Do you know, still really treating yeah. them as a patient in that process. Yeah, and that's what I feel real. Like I always get impressed when I... Um, when I see you guys come in and even though this baby is muscle relaxed and not moving and totally paralyzed, just still using that communication and, and talking to them because at the end of the day, it's just that mutual respect that you're dealing with a body, even though that body is sedated or can't move, it's still a body and it's still, yeah, it's it's really nice when you guys do come in and be like, oh, I'm just putting a hard board onto you. And, like, and you know what, getting- they're so vulnerable. Yeah. Like exactly, yeah. you've got to be their patient advocate. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think it is nice to be mindful of those sorts of things too and yeah. introducing ourselves to parents as well. Like if the parents yeah, in the room, definitely. I'll often say, hi, my name's Tani, I'm the radiographer, I've just come to x-ray, blah, blah, blah. Yep, yep, and then definitely. Go from and that makes a huge difference because, the amount of people and like usually intensive care patients, they have a lot of different teams that come by and a lot of different people. It does make a difference when people introduce yourself. Like, yeah, I've had parents always come up to me and be like, who's this? What are they doing? Yeah, They're always, they're already like stressed. They don't need so many people like coming in that they don't know that are trying to move their baby or touch stuff they've previously been told not to touch. Yeah. So, yeah. It's such an overwhelming environment for them at yeah. all times that yeah. so it, it takes two it. seconds of our time yeah. to just alleviate make, that. Yeah. Yeah. Open communication, introduce yourselves and just make them, put them at ease. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Now, I just want to 
focus there as well. You said family-centered care, and we have really moved on from that, I suppose, doctor-centered treatment where we have now these interdisciplinary teams. Like you said, there can be sometimes many teams that manage a patient care um, and pathway and journey, I guess. So what sort of healthcare professionals do you interact with within the ICU um, and who's actually in charge and oversees the ICU? Yeah, so you've got a paediatric intensivist which oversees all of the patients Um, and then you've got a registrar who does all kind of like the groundwork of charting meds and if you've got a problem with your patient, they're the first line you go to and then if they can't, like the intensivist is the boss. The registrar is the doctor who's probably making all the calls to you guys, setting up all this um, and ordering also all the um, tests. I'm just going to pause you there for a second before you yeah. keep going. And I just want to just um, break down a bit. The intensivist is someone who's completely finished their intensive care training and yep. is the most senior they can be in their profession. And then a registrar mm-hmm. is someone who's training in training to yeah. be that intensivist. Yeah, so they can they can be in training for just intensive care or they can be in training as part of their kind of stepping stone to um, be consultant elsewhere in a different field. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's <laughs> Intensivist <so> registrar <laughs> and then I'll let you keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Intensivist registrar. And I guess because we are the constant person by the bed space, it's really important as nursing staff that we communicate effectively with all the different um, people that are coming in. So we're kind of like the patient secretary. We <laughs> we know the plan of the day. Yeah. We follow we follow up um, on on that stuff. We make sure stuff happens. Yeah. Um, if a if a if the doctor wants to put in a line, whether Ford thinkers in ter- whether Ford thinkers in terms of like looking ahead and being like, is this patient going to handle this procedure? If not, what other people can we call in? Whether that be a music therapist or the play therapist, or if it's a big patient and we need to move them prior to this procedure we then call a wardsman so the people that we interact with is just literally everyone yeah <laughs> you guys are the eyes everyone. and the ears and the facilitators everyone. of the day because <laughs> the patient is the center the patient is the most important part and we are usually the ones that yeah don't move yeah Definitely. Yeah. I um I actually love the interaction that medical imaging has with intensive care. I think we have a really nice relationship. So it's quite beautiful. <laughs> um, but that yeah. brings me to my next question. And that's like, yeah. what sort of interaction do you have with medical imaging professionals? And when would you expect to see us? Yeah, so I say usually a great one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there has been times where I have being like oh my god I've just got so much to do like why do I have to go out of the room like (laughs) surely this x-ray can wait but then other times look we depend on you guys like after putting in like um central lines or nasal gastric tubes like we're usually like so happy to have you there and like we really need your imaging in 
for a time like for a timely manner like we can't give certain medications and until we know that it's in the right spot um so yeah like interaction from that also like having a ventilator patient and um knowing when if we're weaning ventilation support um knowing how the chest looks i was going to say more than just um chest x-rays sometimes you guys will come for ct sometimes you'll come for mri um so there's a wide variety of areas there even that you'd come to Mm. but you generally um in the icu you'll have bedside ultrasound and that's when the sonographers come to you guys so that would be a blessing so that you don't have to pack up your patients as well yeah yeah so good so good especially like our liver transplants they usually have so many medications they're very fragile they've just had their stomach cut open um the little the littlest movement like affects their clinical size so yeah we're we just like appreciate you guys so much and the fact that you come out I'm glad you appreciate us. <laughs> but there's actually a really good relationship and we do deal with ICU regularly. So yes. I think when I first started uni, I never would have even thought that we'd probably find ourselves in ICU as much as we do. But I could go to ICU or I could have four ICU patients on my CT list for a day or an evening or I could go to ICU yeah. for the morning round and x-ray 10, 12 patients. So yeah. we do have constant... Um, interaction with ICU patients but more so ICU staff because your patients are ventilated so we deal with you guys all the time and make sure that we're not bumping anything or we're not disrupting your environment yeah and that that open communication like when we've got to take down our patient and organize our equipment and move them onto your bed like it's such a such a team like teamwork environment like we couldn't do it alone and you guys definitely couldn't do it alone either yeah it's Um, beautiful it's like interdisciplinary (laughs) definitely that's how I first knew you'd moved to my hospital (laughs) (laughs) I did (laughs) and then you also mentioned interaction with nuclear medicine yeah yeah. as well not so much in Newcastle um but I when we had our liver when I was after the liver transplant in Sydney um day one and five we used to come down to nuclear med um, and just see um, where they used to inject the dye and see the uptake of uptake of the radio. What is uh, it? Um, radio pharmaceutical. <laughs> see, look, this is how much. This is how little I know about what you do. But this is. I don't know what you do. <laughs> I just know I got to get away from the unit with my little liver transplant. I used to sit there watch the screen, watch the little dots go out of the liver and uh, hopefully not out of the liver, actually. Oh, if you could see oh, Gemma's okay. hands right now, they're like spirit fingers on the I screen. I know. Like, uh, here, here, here. Look, I just, it was a break. It was a good break going down to nuclear med. Really loved it. So I'm going to just push a little bit there. And what are your thoughts yeah. when you see what we do? Is it just like Homer Simpson in the nuclear power plant pushing back? Oh, so it's just like there's just so many. They're like there's just so many buttons. Like even just going to that little computer computer room and be like, what? Like, and you've got different people doing different things, and I'm like, how? Like, what do you do? What do you do? Like, just, yeah, I don't like. There's the flashing yeah. light, and then we press it. <laughs> oh, just yeah. What button? What are you looking at? How? Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot of 
yeah also that that thought that when I first started in an ICU like oh I'm I'm way too stupid to be down here <laughs> but <laughs> I think I, that's nice back up it? into my drugs and my, my safe um, space of ICU yeah yeah I think yeah. that's nice though isn't it in like really that multidisciplinary team where everyone brings their pieces to the of the puzzle together so everybody has their area of specialty like I'm definitely not equipped to look after someone for a 12-hour shift in pediatric intensive care do you know like we have different we have different roles different scopes of practice so that's where we all come together and we really focus on that patient-centered care yeah um now just to wrap up Gem is there any sort of patient or situation that has moved you before or any sort of words of wisdom that you want to share before we leave um, I think you've heard me mention previously um, about my love for just, I have a real passion for organ donation, um, liver transplants, um, heart transplants, and just, just I loved how you could be looking after an, a, a dying patient one day, um, being a part of them difficult conversations and then hearing them that the family want to donate and then the next day looking after the recipient of the liver that was in a few bedrooms down and and seeing how much of an impact that's made yeah to the new family and oh, it's just it it's just absolutely fascinating I still find it so fascinating and it also just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, and Westmead has just started doing heart transplants as well. Usually the patient would have to go to Melbourne for heart transplantation. But um yeah, being involved, I I've actually after the three that they've done in Westmead and just being a part of that whole like the whole thing, it was it was really incredible and just the fact that yeah, New South Wales can do heart transplants now is is just great and That's a yeah, great service. So That's a brilliant yeah, service. Yeah. But well, Gem, we'll leave it there. You sound, certainly sound very passionate about paediatric intensive care nursing, which is so beautiful to see. So thanks so much for giving up your time to join us on the virtual couch. <laughs> Thank you so much. And just like just remember, just be just be mindful of all our lines. Sometimes like the littlest disconnection of a line can make a huge difference to a patient's blood pressure. Um, The littlest movement of a breathing tube by like 0.5 centimetres can make a huge difference to to their ventilation. So, yeah, just just work with us and boss us around a little bit. (laughs) Um, I'm sure we both both boss. (laughs) Exactly. We both boss, but, yeah, just collaborately working together to um, improve patients outcome is the end goal so yeah definitely yeah thanks so much awesome time thank you <laughs> well that's a wrap for this episode of professional button pushes but there are plenty more where this came from tune in on spotify or anchor fm to listen to any more as i tani nelson talk to real industry professionals until next time make safe choices Thank <laughs> you.